RadioInfluence.com. So good. Oh I'm good Brittany, hey, hey, hey. Every day's a good day. Oh, wait, Brittany, wait, wait. Before we even go, before, uh, matter of fact, I think we're here now. I think we are officially in the DJ Can Podcast. I think we are here somehow, some way. We came in a calm, steady pace today, folks. Brittany came in calm today. Um, and um, how are you? I'm going to greet you nicely today. How are you? Thank you. I am wonderful. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I look amazing. I mean, what what what's there to be mad about or sad? You know what? I'm going to continue, continue to be a great host because we have guests on the show today. Um, a dude I've been I've been reaching out to for a while, and actually, Brittany. He is one of the few people who has actually responded to me when I hit him on LinkedIn. You know how you hit people on LinkedIn and you'd be like, I wonder they're going to hit me back. This brother yeah. hit me back. <laughs> I'm man, one of those people. Oh, my God. My man, yeah. Kareem Latif, uh, marketing extraordinaire. I'm, I'm going to go through your credentials in a second, man, because like I said, I've been waiting to get you here and have this conversation with you for a plethora of reasons. But first off, how are you? How, how are things, man? I'm good, man. I, you know, in this pandemic right now, man, a day, another day alive is a blessing. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm really and, good. and and speaking of the pandemic, you kind of live in, in your background and in your professional space is marketing. I'm going to just stop right here with marketing executive. Right. So you've been when the pandemic hit. Right. You had I'm sure you were in an office every day. That sort of a thing. Did it affect you as much? Other than mentally, and we'll get into also to some of the things that happened during the pandemic. Did it did it uh, affect how you had to do your job on a day to day basis? Just jumping out there, did it did it affect that? Yeah, in a big way. Um, so before the pandemic, I was flying back and forth between Atlanta and New York. Okay, my, my office is in New York. Office was in New York, and I, I live in Atlanta, so um, I was always on the road. So with the pandemic, I stayed at home. So that was the biggest difference. Everything was, you know, remote. So I didn't have to travel anymore. So it was kind of hard to adjust to the fact that, you know, I used to be on the, on the road all the time in the air. Yeah. So it was just, uh, it took a little process to kind of like understand I'm going to be sitting at home. So just, you know, that was tough, but, but yeah. Yeah. 2020 was a wild time, man. So, now that now that we're here, Brittany, and I want Brittany, I want you to take this all in because I know you don't think, Brittany, that I know some people out here that do more than just rap, that do more than just be on that football field with me on Sunday. Let, let me just read. Look, and, and look, I like to give people their flowers, Brittany, while they are here to hear. You them. do. Look, you are great at that. Innovative brand marketer shaping the next generation of content, culture and branding integration culture marketing, digital marketing, diversity and inclusion, strategic partnerships, senior management. My man, again, welcome to the DJ Aiken podcast, Kareem Latif, man. I I, I appreciate you taking the time. So yes. before we go any further, looking at all of that, then that, I just read your LinkedIn profile off. That's not even talking about what you actually <laughs> do on a daily basis. If I, was a, if I was a kid in college and I was like, Okay, I see a lot of titles. I, I'm trying to figure out what would I want to do. What would I do? What would I? What would you tell me is your job on a day to day basis? What do you actually do? I would tell kids. And I know this is definitely a cliche. But I would tell them to figure out what makes them what's going to make them happy. Figure out really what they would do if they weren't even getting paid for it. To be honest with you, that is the honest truth. Because if your job, a job is just a job. A job is just a contract that you and an employer is paying you a check. It, it, you know, that contract can be ended at any time. 
So I would, I, I would definitely focus on what's going to make you happy so that even beyond the job, you can figure out a way to monetize what makes you happy. And you're not even working. It's like it's a, it becomes a thin line between work and play because you're doing what you love. Right. So that's the first thing I would tell people. Don't chase the bag. Like figure out what you want. Let the bag chase you. So that's the biggest thing. Um, and as far as my day to day, um, I just left the company. So this would be a little bit different conversation. I just I just quit the company like two weeks ago. Okay. Wow. Uh, so before, um, for the past six years, I've been pretty much driving the culture marketing initiative at Pernod Ricard. Okay. And for those who don't know Pernod Ricard is, you know, most of the brands that you know that are like Absolute, Martell, Srock, all these brands are owned by bigger companies. So the brand, the bigger company is Pernod Ricard, which is a French uh, spirit brand maker, manufacturer. They okay. make Martell, they, which most people know me for, Martell, Jameson Irish Whiskey, you know, Avion oh. Tequila, Absolute, all those brands. Those are the brands I represented. And I created the culture marketing strategy for those brands, uh, myself and a, and a team, but I was pretty much the lead for the past two years. Um, and, you know, on a day-to-day basis, um, I was managing the influencer strategy, um, basically, you know, um, connecting the dots between the marketing and the sales, or we call it the field, um, you know, managing influencer, uh, endorser relationships. Like, for example, we had a relationship with Martel and Quavo. Okay. So although I didn't hundred percent manage that relationship, it was managed with the team out of Paris. I was very instrumental on the ground in terms of making sure that, you know, anything activating wise um, that we're closing the loop in the United States with that kind with that relationship. Uh, and same when we had a relationship with 21 Savage, Avion, um, Anderson, Pac, and Jameson. I'm always kind of like somehow in the mix of making sure that the culture is fully represented and the brand is represented uh, amicably. So that was that was that's in a nutshell. Right. I, did, but it's a I, lot more. I can tell you right now. Look, I can tell you right now with Brittany loving the digital space the way she does and and TikTok and how she moves. Her wheels are turning right now. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, because it is like there's um you know with brands finding influencers and I was just like uh, I skimmed an article the other day that was talking about something similar where it's like teaching brands too you know who are overpaying certain celebrities for endorsements and underpaying micro influencers and like how Mm -hmm. to find out what you really like what you should really be putting in as far as the budget goes into these influencers so that was something that i was kind of learning about so that's oh yeah can I, can I can I ask you this though, and and we throw this word a lot and uh, around a lot, and and you're in a great space. I'm I'm glad you kind of led us there because when you when you mention things like Quavo, when you mention names like Twenty One Savage, they they bring us right to hip hop, right to the forefront of that, mm-hmm. right. So when I say things to you like for the culture, because that's a word we throw around heavy in the hip hop space. That's a word we throw around when we talk about anything that's supposed to mean something. From what I understood when it first started being said, right? What does it mean to a marketer like you? Because you're very much into driving the culture with with the, with these brands, with who you attach them to. So when I say the words for the culture, what does that mean to someone like you that's sitting behind a desk looking at things like numbers, who's moving what, that sort of thing? I'm totally different from my peers. To be honest with you, like. Because I'm I'm more of a person that's in the culture, Boom. that's sitting on a desk, versus a person that's behind the desk that's working with the culture, that's hiring other people that are in the culture. So I'm like I'm like a person that's in the culture, a culture creator, culture anthropologist, you know, and marketer, corporate corporate marketer. So it's a little bit different for me. I always put myself in the shoes of a culture creator, a culture advocate, or whoever that I'm working with. So for me, when I hear the term for the culture, 
to me, it's about opening doors for people, other people. So it's not, it's something that's more than a singular term. It's something that's more than just me. I'm doing this for the culture to get my bread, to get my bag or whatever. Everything I do when I use the term for the culture is to make sure that a pathway is clear for a lot of people, for the, truly for the culture. Like right. opportunities are expanded beyond that one particular person. So that's the way I see it. And then when I work with people, I try to work with people that kind of have that same shared mindset that's thinking beyond themselves and they're doing something that's going to propel the culture forward, you know? Um, so if it's like, I'm thinking more ecosystem, like total ecosystem versus, yeah. you know what I'm saying? One particular lane or one particular person. Right. I think what, what we found in 2022, and we ran into this a lot and along with, of course, the, the racism, the death of George Floyd and all the stuff that wound up happening, right? Was that in a lot of these companies, the culture and diversity thing, there was a big imbalance. You know what I'm saying? Like they had a lot of people who, and I, and I talk to Brittany about this all the time. Like I'm very much past the point of somebody who don't walk outside and live this culture telling me how to live this culture. I ain't going to say I can't learn from you to read the data. I ain't going to say ain't something I can't learn from you in a meeting. But if you never step outside and actually live this culture, then it's hard for me to take a lot of what you say seriously because you're just sitting back looking to make a dollar off of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do you do you think that companies after, you know what I'm saying, like we've had this you know, of course, this, this the untimely passing of George Floyd. We had all these things going in these companies and everybody suddenly was like, we got to understand better. Things have been done wrong. So all of a sudden there were these culture and diversity officers. Do you think that a lot of companies are starting to get it right? Or do you think, and we've had other guests on this show talk about this before too, that it was a lot of like, yeah, we, we're working on it. But are they really working on it from what you see and being, you know, being a marketing guy and being a person that's had to be in these spaces on a corporate thing? Do you, do, do you really think they're working on it? Or was a lot of it just like for the time being, because it was a hot button, everybody was working on it? I think there are different levels. I think there are some companies that are already kind of been in the conversation. They may not be perfect, like a Nike, companies like that are already, you know, they, they, they were on it with Kaepernick. They were on, they were on it before George Floyd. But the masses of companies uh, is symbolism. It's more semantics. It's more, you know, cosmetic. Just putting a Band-Aid on it. Not really, like, trying to solve the problem. Because they know, if you look at, like, especially African-American culture, if you look at it, we're kind of bought, we bought into a lot of symbolism. Let's get a black president. Let's put this face in there. Let's do this. And we think that things change because it's, like, surface. It's, like, very, like, cosmetic. So putting a DNI, DEI officer, a DNI officer, in place is like we'll just give them this you know they'll shut up and the person the, the most of the time when they put these people in office they in, in the position they don't have power they don't have a budget they don't have any type of direct reports no department or anything they're expected to be like this black superhero or, or latinx superhero or whatever um and they're not able to make any type of transformative change so the biggest thing for me is like what i was trying to do along with a few other people at the no regard was you have to change the DNA of the company. It has to be more than just bringing yeah. one person. You got to train the whole company. You got to do corporate. You got to do corporate like culture marketing training one on one. You got to get an advisory board in place so that it's more than just like internal people. It's like an external body of people that are actually integrated into the marketing planning. Um, you have to, you know, make sure that you're recruiting new people into the company at all levels, like middle management, you know, um, lower management, senior management. You know, everything, you have to be represented across the board. The agencies they work with have to be like people of color that they work with. Because a lot of times what people don't understand, I didn't know this when I was, this is more so for the kids that's watching this. 
I don't say kid, like the young adults or whatever is watching this. Like, I think that um, when you go to marketing, you think you're gonna be doing a lot of sexy stuff. Like you're gonna get into office, you're gonna be doing a lot of sexy things, crazy. Man, we seen Boomerang. We know how we know how Marcus was living. We yeah, seen Boomerang. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's, that's why I got into marketing. That's why I got into marketing. But the biggest thing is like a lot of times as a brand manager or marketer in the corporate and the owner of the brand, you work for the owner of the brand, you're usually outsourcing the creative to an agency. Ah, so okay. you present the agency with the problem. I want to grow this much. I want to reach this amount of people by the end of this year or whatever. You give them the problem and they come back to you with a creative solution and they activate it. So the agency is the one that's like the creative think tank behind these ideas. And if your agency that you're hiring is not reflecting the culture, then your marketing message is going to die. Like you're not, not going to connect with the culture. So that's why like you have to you have to like diversify across the entire ecosystem, not even just with the company, the agencies, and depending on what, what industry you're in, like let's take alcohol beverage, the distributors that are going out selling the product into the stores and the nightclubs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, they need to be people of color or diverse. Because how can they speak on a brand to the culture if they don't even know what they're talking about? You right. know, and then the, if you're in other industries, the retailers need to be diverse. So like it's just the whole ecosystem needs to be diverse. So it, it doesn't just start with just that DNI officer. That's not gonna change anything. And that's the miss from a lot of companies. Right. But are companies like acknowledging that now and kind of like being like, yeah, that's this is the move, this is what we need to do. Or is it kind of like, yeah, we know, but we're not still not gonna do anything about it. we're gonna move slow with this, you know, like we're still gonna have faces in those seeds, but not necessarily really work from the foundation up. It really just depends on how far the employees and the culture are willing to push them. But they mm-hmm. they're only applying the pressure. So like if we just apply the pressure right when it's hot, when, when you know everything is hot, when George Floyd situation happened, when he died, right. then they're going to make the change. Then they might, have, they, have, they might have the best intentions, they have this plan. But if the pressure is not kept on, they're yeah. going to fall off. They're not going to follow through with the plan until it- another incident happens. They'll pick back up. So that's kind of like, you have to consistently apply pressure uh, right. to corporations. And if you don't mind me asking, like when everything happened with George Floyd, there were so many companies and different brands that kind of jumped on and, you know, like were, were acknowledging it or, or giving their sentiments. And, you know, would you say that your company was also like, like that was something they took charge in and you had a part in that? Yeah, I did. And uh, my How company so? did. But the biggest, the biggest thing is that Pernod Ricard is a huge company. Uh-huh. So Pernori Car Corporate made a statement and they made donations and you know they connected with like social social uh advocacy, social activist organizations. Uh and then each individual brand had to make a decision. So like some of the brands that were active already in the culture, like Martel, Jameson brands like that, they got uh-huh. more involved. They, right. you know, gave donations, they met, you know, they tried to send out a message. Uh, um, making sure they were aligned with, you know, with the culture. Um, and other brands that did not already have a relationship with the culture, they weren't speaking, they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. speak out. So yeah. that wasn't like, they didn't feel like that was necessarily their place. So with me, um, I came in on different angles. I had, I was running the culture marketing department. So I used my influencers to make donations and to get involved, to get active in the culture. Um, and then um, I also am a part, was a part of, like the black internal like resource group, the internal employee group. And we did a lot of things. We wrote a memo. We engaged with the organization. Put, we did culture marketing one-on-one training. 
you know, with the organization. Yeah. We um, we just put a lot of like there, put a lot of um, things in place to make sure there was like some systemic change happening at the organization. Yeah. Right. So like that's kind of how I got involved and how the organization got involved. I think I think it's important too, and and you could give me your thoughts on this. Is that we as a people, right? We're we're black and brown. We're in these organizations. We gotta have a clear understanding too of of what exactly we're speaking on in the message, and and be clear about representing what we actually believe in and how we present that too. Because I like I said, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, here folks that I'm partners with, some pubs, and and very. A great partnership, right? One of the things that we spoke about was maybe, you know, some just some meetings and things talk about, well, should we get Black Lives Matters t-shirts, right? And I was and I was sternly against that because I was just like, look, it's not really about the t-shirt. It's mm-hmm. what we do on a daily basis that will show that Black Lives Matter to us. You don't suddenly have to put up all these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's good to support and that sort of thing. But I didn't think that we necessarily had to say, now all of a sudden the bartender should all have on Black Lives Matters t-shirts. Because that mm-hmm. to me, like you said, is that really like what we believe though? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Or is that yeah. right for even the brand? And I've never, I never have been one to either want anybody to like totally discard what they already do in their business to suddenly act like, oh, I support. Mm-hmm. Because you can support in many different ways and it's not always about money. Like you said, it could be like, like how we're talking right here. You're giving mm-hmm. us insight. It's not always, you know, and your, your knowledge, believe me, your knowledge and what you're talking about is definitely valuable. But some people think, oh yeah, I got to immediately do what everybody else is doing. And like I told Brittany on this thing, we just wanted a lot of times, start from here. If you weren't already, start making the the, the board fair. Treat treat us fairly. Like let's, let's make it even the starting point for like, if you're really going to give uh, uh, promotions and raises in this company. Give everyone a fair shot. Don't make mm-hmm. it like, like if you weren't doing it before, start from here. Cause that to me is a better message than any shirt you could have wore, any hashtag mm-hmm. you could have put on your social media. If the mm-hmm. people that you have here and your customers and the people who, who support your brand, if you're treating them like black lives matter or like Latina or like any, like every life, matter, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. to me is just as big of a message. And I think sometimes we as a people, when we're leading this charge and, and that look like George Floyd or any nationality that's been mistreated. We also have to understand what we're putting out to these brands as well, because if they follow in our lead or just we go around the corner, yeah, I want you to put on a black lives matter t-shirt. That ain't gonna solve nothing to me. Not if you're still treating everybody like like crap and they got no chance for yeah. for promotion or anything in this company. Yeah, that's what I was saying. We have to get out of just the symbolism of it, like the cosmetic yeah. symbolism of the emotion of it and get down to like making real systemic changes. Right. You know, and, and I think I think I think it's changing. I think people are figuring that out now. I think we need both. Honestly, I think that it's acknowledgement of like even the symbolism does have power yeah. in it too. Like I don't think it's just all that because for me it's like if I was in a company and all of a sudden everybody or so many people are coming in they're wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt it's like, "Oh wow, like there it's a statement here. Like, okay, we can talk about it. Okay, we can acknowledge it. Okay, we under we're on the same page here." Like, mm-hmm. you know, so to me there's value in that too and yep. With the whole Black Lives Matter, uh, who was I just like, uh, there's this uh, guy, he's like got millions or hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. And he was saying how like, we shouldn't support Black Lives Matter. But at the end of the day, like it's more, and he agreed that, you know, funds don't, funds need to go into better environments. Funds need to go into bettering, you know, for mental health and, and better uh, training and stuff like that for police officers, which I agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, there were some great things like, that happened because of Black Lives Matter. You know, the acknowledgement with George Floyd, like everybody came together and like all shouted, I went to the streets. And like that to me was like 
a way of being heard, a way of like where now we are get seeing some change and there are like we we can't ignore it anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When it's in our face like that, you can't ignore it. And when you just think it's supposed to be behind closed doors and you just hope people will do the right thing. It's like that's to me, I, I don't have faith in people that they'll do that. No, I agree with you. And I definitely think that symbolism is important. I definitely think that symbolism is something to rally around. It gets people going, gets them excited. So I definitely agree with you on that. I just don't think it can stop there. Yeah, right. that's, for sure. that's where that's where I that's where I don't think, you know, people some people don't continue on beyond right. the black square sure. Instagram, you know, box. And that's it. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things that you've done that that revolve around uh, revolve around the culture. And of course, we know the the artists that you've worked with. But you you had a heavy hand in this in this series that that jumped off on VH1 a while back, uh, Master of the Mix, uh, a DJ competition. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. what what made you say we can do this? I mean, <laughs> that was a good time. I was actually like that happened because my history in the, in the record in the music industry. Not right. that not that I've been not that I'm Quincy Jones or did anything <laughs> right. I'm just saying that I was like. A, Pun like a small peon in the industry, mm -hmm. just putting up posters and taking artists around and things hey, like dude, that. Hey, dude, that's we all been through that street team. But, but you know what I'm saying. But it was enjoyable. But I, I love music. You know what I'm saying. So uh, when I got into Diageo, working with the company, I wanted to make sure they understood I love music and anything that was music related. I need to be. I need to be a part of it. Right. So at the time when I was with them, um, Smirnoff was looking for a way to kind of become relevant again. Because Smirnoff was kind of at that stage, it's a big brand. It's like the, it was the biggest brand in, in the country, um, but they couldn't grow. Uh, it was a brand that was mainly bought at retail stores, not necessarily. Not like you go to the club and want to get a bottle of Smirnoff or something no, like that. No, like, that's not the look. You know, it wasn't the look. It wasn't the look. So you gotta start I'm gonna know, just go to the bar. I'll it wasn't the, exactly. It wasn't the look, and it, it wasn't cool to even order Smirnoff at the bar. So we can't. We couldn't really rely on just retail sales. We were like, okay, we need to figure out a way to make. Retail, make make it cool to order Smirnoff at the bar. Right. Or make people interested. Wait, did y'all come up with the ice thing? Where y'all like, you get iced, and then everybody. That know. was, that was, that wasn't related to this campaign. But oh, okay. You, but okay. We, we did do that. I, I'm not, <laughs> I can't say we. I'm not sure if it was the culture that did it or we did it. You know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes the culture does things and the brands kind of jump on it. Right. So I'm not yeah. necessarily sure where that started, chicken, the chicken and the egg situation with that. <laughs> but with the um, master of the mix, we, we came up with the idea, okay. Um, we know that DJs and bartenders are the most important people at the at the at nightclubs and at the bars. Can you so. stop for a second, Brittany? Did you hear that, Brittany? It ain't you. It ain't the girl that can twerk. It ain't you. It ain't. It ain't you. We help. We it, help. Yes, it does. But did you hear what that gentleman just said? The DJ and the bartenders, not yeah, yeah. the twerker. Much respect. Much respect. Yeah. Thank you. If you don't have a DJ, everybody's going home. If you don't have a bartender, everybody's going home. So like, that's just what it is. And like, Brittany, we know that back in those days, if you had a bartender servants, if you had Smurf in your section, you wasn't even stopping there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, man. Yeah, so so we, we, we wanted to create something cool where we could tap into the DJ community because nobody was doing it at the time. We were like, let's figure out a way that we can, A, Get the DJ some attention because the, the MCs were having so much attention. And you know, like MCs, it's always been about the MCs. You guys started out in hip hop, started about the DJs. Right. We evolved to like maybe with the the dancers, then it's like the MCs. So the DJs got pushed farther and further away. So we were like, let's bring, let's create a platform to bring the DJs to the forefront, put them in put them front and center on TV, have them compete for two hundred fifty thousand dollars and a chance to become like the Smirnoff, 
you know, space. And at the same time, you know, we'll do these events in nightclubs and bars and all around the world, which will bring people inside, have them engage with Smirnoff. They'll continue to think about Smirnoff and they'll see the TV show. Right. Well, it was like a whole, you know, journey. So that was yeah. that was kind of the whole plan. It went on for three seasons. And we, we, we definitely, I mean, definitely tapped into a lot of dope DJs. Some known, like Kate Capri, some unknown, maybe like just only to their like regional or local areas. Mm-hmm. So it was dope for the DJ community, for sure. Yeah. You know, you know, it's great to see those when you talk about that, right? And you were you started this conversation too when you were saying, get into something that doesn't even feel like a job, right? Yeah. And exactly. that the whole yeah. time we've been having this conversation, and definitely when I mentioned that, like the joy that came over you as you was getting ready to tell us about that, you were just like, let yeah. me tell you something. Yeah. Let me tell you. You know, yeah. and, and that that yeah. enjoyment that you that that you have that goes into I'm sure when you walk into these meetings, right, already having that enjoyment and love for what you do that comes out and it makes the ideas that you that you get to work on that much easier when you already got this this joy and love for marketing and in the entertainment space. It makes it so easy, man. The only thing that gets in the way of my joy are people. <laughs> <to come here. laughs> that is, that is it. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying. That right. is the thing. Like. The joy is there. Like what I'm talking about, just coming up with ideas and being a part of the movie, being a part of ideas that's dope. It's just sometimes the people where there's a disconnect that makes the job in, un- like not enjoyable. Yeah. So that's that's been like, you know, this this challenges throughout my career. Some people, you know, um, but but yeah, overall, man, it was I love music. Anyway, I could like I love music, and I love helping people. Right. So the two of those together with this massive right. mix is like boom, it's 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 perfect. You know, nowadays, as as a as a marketer, and and one of the spaces that you're really into is is this influencer space, right? And I and I wanted to ask you, but I've been thinking about this like all day, how to approach this part with you because I watch so many people, and I was on the phone, and and you know this guy, he's like my guy, Dave Melhado. I'm sure you know Dave, Dave Melhado. Like Dave is my like my guy, like my little brother. Like we we're, we're having these conversations, and and we got into a conversation one day talking about like academics and how academics has eyes, right? And with the hip hop culture, we seem to be when I look at like how, how, how far the blogger has come per se, it's not so much about whether you're getting actual facts. It's about if you put it out first, right? So yeah. in the hip hop culture, when you look at a lot of these spaces like the Vlads and the academics, to me, a lot of the narrative that's pushed, and this isn't in a, in a mad, I'm not mad about anybody doing anything. It's a lot of the negative of, of what we do, right? It's a lot of the, of, of, oh my God, such and such baby mama said this, or such and such, they caught such and such and beat them up, or this such and such got caught lacking and this, that, and the other. So, when as a as a marketing person that 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 partners with influencers and stuff like that, and this doesn't have to be about academics per se, it's how much goes into say if you're like a guy like Vlad who's clearly doing numbers. He's clearly doing like numbers, numbers, numbers. But a lot of the content is in a negative light upon the culture. You know, that's just the yeah. way news is and the news cycle, I guess. You know. How much th- thought goes into whether you partner with someone like that or not even those that I'm just talking about like someone who a lot of what goes around them could be in a negative space or pushing a negative narrative. How much th- does a brand look at that? Be- even if the numbers are coming, how much of that goes into the pot or does that always go into the pot? Everything that's going on around that person, even though they have numbers. It depends on the brand. It depends on how desperate the brand is and how 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 much they're willing to stick to their brand ethos and their brand um mission and brand, you know, uh, personality, the brand strategy. Sometimes brands are desperate and they're just chasing numbers. Like, look, you know, I'm gonna give you an example for some brands that's like, brands have different metrics. Let's say there's a brand that um, is measuring share of conversation. 
So their share of all the conversations that's happening in this, like let's take, for example, um, I'm just throwing this brand out. Let's say Adidas, for example. And can you explain like what share of conversation actually, like what does that mean exactly? Yeah, that's not about to do now. Okay. So let's take Adidas, for example. And Adidas share of conversation would be for this period of May 1st through May 31st, how many times was Adidas mentioned versus Nike versus Reebok versus all these other brands? And that number is their share of the total conversation. And mentions would be like at Adidas on Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. so on and so on. Uh, even not even at hashtag or even mentioning the algorithm will pick it up and they could like show what the share of conversation is. That's just one example of a metric. So if they're like looking at this, and these companies are looking at this all the time. They have software constantly looking at this like, they don't want to, since everything is transitioning digital and social, they don't want to be like sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth in a category. But you always want like your sales to line up with your shared conversation. Is that what you imagine? So for example, if Adidas is, is number two sneaker brand, you want, it should follow that your shared conversation should be second as well. And sometimes you may slide in the first, sometimes you may stay in second. If you're looking at your shared conversation as like number five, number six, it somehow to you it may connect that maybe I'm not as relevant anymore. Like maybe people are buying my shoes, but I'm not as relevant in terms of being cool in the cool culture. So uh, maybe in that case, if you're desperate, you don't if you don't figure out a, a more strategic way to get some of that relevance back, if you're just looking for the low-hanging fruit, then you will look at okay, what people are driving this conversation. Oh wow, Nike was mentioned in Vlad by 21 Savage, and that's why all these people are searching for Nike right now, doing other stuff. So maybe now we need to go align with Vlad and uh, okay. you know, sponsor his podcast or something like that so that we can get mentioned or figure out a way that he can insert us into the conversation, you know, sneakily or whatever. So people talk about it. Gotcha. So you see how this works. Right. So they may not look at it like, damn, not, Vlad doesn't necessarily align with Adidas and what we're all about. They may not look at it that way because they may be desperate. They may just go the other route and like, look. We need we need these numbers. We got to close out the year strong, close out the month strong. Our investors are getting upset or like whatever. So it just, yeah. it just it just really varies by who's leading that brand uh, marketing team and how desperate they are, how how creative they are in terms of coming up with other solutions um, right. to do that. So it really just depends on the KPIs, depends on where they are with those KPIs and how willing they are to stick to their guns. Right. And again, I just want to be clear. It's not about shade. I figure out the only way I'm going to learn something is give an mm-hmm. example of something that I feel is like, you know, like right there for people to understand as well as how I'm trying to understand it as well. Because I see these yeah. things. And this is why, like I said, it's dope to me to have a conversation with someone like yourself who's an expert in your field yeah. and who's constantly evolving with things as they move. Are you surprised by the Kanye thing, though? Are you surprised by, I mean, I was there for the Kanye thing in the beginning. I was on the first phone call of like, I was at Def Jam with Rob Love on calls, like, yeah, uh, Through the Wires is, is, is a banger, but this next one we about to play for y'all, and they played Jesus Walks, and we was like, he probably out of here. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't see what we see right now. Did you see, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, the way Kanye has the sneaker, the shifting of the culture, what he does, you know, creatively, we already, I don't, I don't care what nobody says, going down to me, one of the top five hip-hop producers ever. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't care how, what he does in his personal life, the kids are like just what he's done musically hands down to me. Some of the best shit I've ever heard. Right. Mm-hmm. But did you, from a marketing standpoint, did you ever, could you ever, did you see the Kanye? Did you see it in any form? Did you mm-hmm. see it the way it, it's, it's it, where it's at now? I saw it because I, I'm an artist. Right. I'm a visual artist. 
and I can relate in the sense that I, art, like he has a wild imagination. Yes, he so does. He, he was he was an art student, you know, a fashion student, art student. And the more I listen, I, I study his I study his interviews religiously. The more I listen to his interviews, it's almost like he doesn't understand that he can't fail. So <laughs> right. Different. He he doesn't understand what that means because he was in a car accident. He lived. Boom. His mom, you know, told him he could do anything. You know, uh, everything he's done, he's doing it, and he's seeing the trends follow. Like from from early stages, the way how he dressed. Yeah. He's seen he's seen his impact from the told beginning. he couldn't told he couldn't be a rapper by the people that he you was looking up to. So yeah. he's been everything that every eye everything that's been put in front of him. He's constantly just crushing it, constantly crushing it, and he's using he's using that. The more people like say he can't do something, he's using it as fuel to do it. So the worst thing you could do to Kanye is tell him he can't do something. Right. So like, so like I, I, I totally, I totally saw what we're saying now. And I honestly think that he's gonna do without like so much more. It's ridiculous. I think he's gonna he's gonna disrupt architecture, he's gonna disrupt real estate, he's gonna disrupt a lot of more categories uh too before this is all over. Can someone tell him to not pay his choir so that he will pay them? Because I, I heard they're looking for some wow. checks still. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm going with it. I don't like when people don't pay their people, okay? Because the people help crazy. you get there. People help you get there. Don't forget that part. Well, that's but not cool. that's <laughs> is there anyone else, like, right now, you would say, like, oh, you know, seeing their partnership, seeing the way they're moving, whether it's an artist or, not, you know, just a person of influence that were like their campaign that they did, like that's, you know, how it should be. They did a really good job of it. Or even someone you, you've worked with. I mean, I love Jaden Smith. I just like, I like, I like, I like a lot of stuff he does. He, he just like, he's just quietly like doing stuff more in the social I world. Saying he's quietly in his own space too, the way he does stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, like to me, Jaden and Willow, they just kind of like, they just doing their own thing. And this is like, I would just, I have them on my, on my like, um, radar to like watch because they're just doing a lot of yeah. cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I like um, I always say his name wrong or right sometimes. Pierre Moss, Pyre Moss, whatever. I like him. Um, who is that? Wait, who is that? He's a um, fashion designer. Oh, um, okay, okay. Out of New York, um, but I like him because he's like disrupting kind of like the marketing aspect of fashion. Boom. How was how like, was that? For his first fashion show, he brought in a black choir. And the Black oh. Choir was performing, and while he's had the fashion show going, so it's like it just made a huge statement. For yeah. uh, the Met Gala, he wore like the um, he made an outfit for Lena Waite, and they both wore, it. and it had all like the slogans, uh, not slogans, but like the I think I saw that. Yeah, I think I saw that. Different people, like different people that get killed by police, right? Things like that. Like, oh so yeah, he, he's super like provocative in that way, but um he just takes care of his people like he's just really smart in that way so i definitely like that obviously i like i mean let me see who else can i throw um, a couple of names at you yeah, give, just give me your thoughts because i i zendaya who zendaya 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 oh the actress Zen- yes the actress? yeah oh i think she's dope i don't know much about what she's doing like outside of acting or whatever right. but I, I, I see though I like the way she used her image and she used her representation. The craziest thing I, I meet her right. I'm working for a top forty station here, and she makes a record mm-hmm. and and she you know she's been a Disney kid, but I didn't know anything about her. And so we're doing like a meet and greet, and I'm scheduled to interview her or whatever. And she comes and she's cool. Her dad's with her, not you know dad's like a massive big black dude, cool as hell. But it's like dad is with her on the road, and we talk a bit of whatever. And she sits down and we start talking, and kids are like. Like in tears, like they're crying. And I have no idea like why. Like I'm like, because I had seen nothing on Disney. 
You know, right, right. of course, I, I had looked her up a second. I'm like, oh, three million followers. Somebody knows who she is, right? But these kids are like literally crying. And then she came back a couple of more times, and we got we got to talking, and, and I really started to see, like, she was on her way to something and in this place, right? But then I, I watched her, and, you know, I, I follow her stylist, uh, Luxury Law. Like, he's, you know, they're very, how, they, how he works mm-hmm. with her and whatever. And it just seemed like it just keeps getting stronger. Like, it just keeps getting... You know her, her. You know she doesn't preach it to us. Kind of like the the tennis the tennis chick Naomi. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that they they got a way about. You know that they very much believe in in who they are and what they stand for, but they don't have to like. You gonna hear what I say all the time. It's it's a it's the yeah. way that they deliver it. I think that's that's what's dope about those two that I like a lot. Um, yeah. Masai, I think Masai is kind of in that tribe as well. Masai, uh, I may be saying her name. I may say her name wrong. But she's from Blackish. Oh, okay, like, yeah, know, okay, yes, yes. She, she's super dope in that way too. Okay, um, um, Meg the Stallion. Brittany I and I are both. Brittany and I are both very interested in your thoughts on Meg the Stallion and her her <laughs> branding and where she can go. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I think that I think that she represents that Texas culture. Like, I think it's very like what she's doing is very Texas. It's right. very Houston, very Texas. So you can't. I can't criticize somebody who's being who they are. Like she's technically yeah. being. She's bringing Houston culture. It's about twerking. It's about right. You know, it's, 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 that's that's what it is. Like that's right. that's kind of what it is. So she, to me, she's authentic in what she does because yeah. she's living out what her culture, how she was raised, and what influences her. So see, I, like I, I love watching how Cardi B is moving though too. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I was like, okay, she's doing when she started with music. I was like, you know, I saw that like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but I'm loving this this side of her, this part of her. And then she's getting into shoes. She had her own dolls. Like mm-hmm. she's getting mm-hmm. into every, I think she's getting a beauty line too. Yeah, she got a beauty line coming. Like and I think they they just I think all the art I mean most of the artists now are just smart in terms of like using this time. They don't they're not promised. Not, it's not like it's not like rock and roll or country music and other genres where you could like be in that art form for like your entire life. You could be 70 years old and still perform. Right. People like the Rolling Stones. Right. <laughs> like in hip hop, you get clown kind of being old head, like rapping. It's just, it sucks, but that's the reality. Yeah. So they have to maximize whatever they can in that short amount of time. So I'm not knocking them for exploring all these avenues yeah. at that time because I mean, it's just kind of, Hip hop is such a young person's um, sport, a, a culture. Right. Um, that it's smart. I think what she's doing. I think Cardi's dope too, because I think Cardi's about as authentic as it comes. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah. she never stopped being Cardi. And if you know you, I'm from the Bronx. If you know anything about New York, she is as mm-hmm. she is as Latina in New York as you could be. She had the whole <laughs> the whole shebang and whole package. I think the music actually they finally caught the music up to her once they realized they had Bodak Yellow. You know what I'm saying? Like like you know they oh, have yeah, been yeah. they have been trying with these records and the records never caught on. But the authenticity the authentic authenticity that was Cardi B. The people online were well into that. Like I was meeting, you know, girls that come to my parties mm-hmm. and whatever. And like even you, Brittany, when we would talk about it. You'd be like, Cardi, Cardi. When Kenzie K was here, Cardi, Cardi. They had bought into the that, that she was real. It wasn't nothing fake about it. The records just finally caught up, and then they put together such a dope album that matched her. But I think she is like when you talk about somebody being authentic, them their authentic self. I think she's always been that from day one. And I think that's I think that's a big reason why she wins. Yeah, that's, that uh, to the, in in two thousand twenty one. Like authenticity is just as important, if not more important than talent. Like, you know, when hip hop in the eighties was about talent, about lyricism, you listen to everything, like if you can rap or whatever, you would clown. Now you don't even have to really be able to rap. I'm not saying that she can't rap. I'm just saying 
your off air, your, your personality, your relationship that you're having with your whoever you're dating, all that stuff goes into your value yeah. nowadays as an artist versus just your skill set. Yeah, Will Smith so, said that too. Will, Will Smith said back in the day, like, what'd you do? You would you would go in the studio, you'd work on the album, you'd make the album, then you do promo for the album, the album would come out, and then you'd be on tour, then you'd disappear. He said yep. nowadays, you make the album, but you got to keep living your life online the whole year because that's what everybody want to know. They want to know who you dating. Yeah. They want to know what time you get up. They want to know when you're going shopping for a car. They want to know what you eat. They want to come to dinner with you. They got to know your whole life. Yeah. Good example of that would be Joe Budden. Like Joe yeah. Budden to me, I feel is a, a dope lyricist. Nobody cares. Nobody what cares. What they care about is the drama he's involved with. They care about everything that's going on around him. Uh, and nobody even remembers what music he made. Yeah, we so remember Pump It Up. Is, we remember yeah. pumping up. <laughs> Look, yeah. it, it, I know and you know, right. but the masses of people probably can tell you, they probably will not tell you that, that single. They probably won't know what it is. Nah, no, you're right. Like, <laughs> Joe Budden podcast, Joe Budden Amigo situation, whatever. Yeah. They're just like way more interested in the drama that's around them. Exactly. So I wanted to ask you too, because like those are big artists and it's so much easier, I would think, like for them to get, uh, you know, an endorsement in that way with a product. And so what about micro influencers? Like how do they get paired up with like these bigger companies? Brittany, you know, are you trying to ask your own personal questions here? Yes, I'm trying oh, my to bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Let me back up some, no. my bad. For I us regular people. That's shifting, Brittany. Uh, I think that, I think that, it used to be more so around like big artists and them only getting the deals. But micro-influencers is really more the wave now for brands because micro-influencers, when, when you're looking at just pure analytics, you got to understand whether you, whether what's more important, reach or engagement. So like reach, of course, you're going to reach a lot more people going with a Gaga versus going with the micro-influencers with 100,000 followers. Yeah. You're gonna reach more people, but what's gonna be more impactful? The 100,000 person or less, 25,000 person follower is going to get a lot more engagement. A lot more people are gonna be commenting, and, and relatively speaking, to their size. Right, right. A lot more people are gonna be coming, a lot more people are gonna be engaging with them, sharing things like that, because it's more of an intimate, personal kind of connection versus this artist that has two, uh, 20 million followers. So a lot of companies are looking at more than just like reach and things like they're looking at more engagement. And then it's also easier sometimes to, to, to work with the micro-influencer, to tailor messages, to get things out, to have them post more frequently and things mm -hmm. like that. So I, I've always been ahead of the curve with that. I've always been kind of shifting away from the um, artists and, and, right. and, and maybe celebrities and going with more micro-influencers. And I also like, I like more of a um, tiered approach, like having like, Maybe maybe go with like an endorser, uh, have one endorser, major major macro influencer, major major endorser. But I put uh -huh. more of my emphasis on the bottom tier, like the micro influencers. Yeah. So basically, they're like day to day, every day, pounding away. And then if you want to expand that message, if it's like a key period of time, like for example, if you're a tequila brand and it's like Cinco de Mayo, and you just you just want to take over, you just want to like really dominate that shared conversation or whatever, then you can align with a bigger person to give you larger reach while those microphones are still plugging away and doing their thing. So you're attacking yeah. from high end low. You got the halo effect and you got the lower uh, tier, you know, micro influencers and macro, medium macro influencers also operate. So it's like a three tier system I like to, I like to do, but I feel like you, you kind of need both depending on the brand. Yeah. Um, you just, you just can't rely on a celebrity because that's not enough. You, you definitely have to have micro influencers and depending yeah. on the brand, you can't just have micro influencers at some point 
if, if you're going to need that higher reach and you're going to need to align with somebody with a much bigger follower follower right. as well. Look at that, Brittany. See, you you learned something today, Brittany. You learned something, Kareem. I know you. I know you. I know you told me that in the beginning of this conversation. You said that you you had made some changes in the career, like what you were doing. What's next? What's up next for you? Um, you got you got you got the 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 alignment of what's up. I know we're going 20, 2021 is on the move right now, and I know you're constantly like from what I see. You know, your mind is constantly working and constantly got some ideas. What's next, or something you not you not want to tell us yet? Or I can't tell you everything, but gotcha. what I can tell you is I'm building a plane and flying it at the same time. So that's why that's why I can't tell you. I can't t- like I'm building yeah. a plane flying right. at the same time. But what what I do have that everybody can see visibly is like I do have an agency I started. I wouldn't say it's more of a consulting company, a brand consulting company called Craft Brand Theory, and it's it's a it's a consulting company, but it's also like a creative class or our um, creative community. Because what I'm trying to do is to connect with like black and brown creatives across the globe and bring them together in terms of the community and collaborate, train them, mentor them and connect them with brands. Um, so, but that is my goal. I, I envision doing more, like it's very similar to what Kanye is doing with Donda. Gotcha. It's like, I'm not, are you familiar with Donda? Yes, I am. I am. Okay. So like Donda was kind of like an idea I had as well, but of course he's a celebrity and he has money to, <laughs> Right. push it off but my my craft brand theory is kind of like a done on a smaller scale it's basically it's all about collaboration collaborating with creatives having them create products having them create experiences brand messages and then attaching that with you know brands that have shared mindset shared vision so there's like authentic seamlessly connecting yeah. uh, so that's kind of what i do and also as well as brand consulting so You'll see a lot more stuff coming from that. Oh, I know um, I'm going to see because I'm, I'm I'm immediately writing you an email as soon as this conversation is done. I'm immediately like I'm already on my, my iPad's here. Like I'm I'm immediately writing after this. I'm like, that's yeah, why I'm going to see. Like I'm I'm yeah. in I'm in I'm in connection right now. I'm writing right now. Um, <laughs> how can someone how can they get in touch with you? though? Like I said, I, I like I said, my thing with really wanting to talk to you, man, I think I've gotten as much as I could get. And I, I want to keep continuing this conversation because, again, one of my biggest things and, you know, Brittany and I talk about this all the time is I constantly want to learn something with this podcast, yeah. you know, and you and you see a lot of things, you watch a lot of things. And, you know, like I said, 2020 was one of those years that made you go, wow. You know, it was it was a lot to think about. It was a lot to think about in how we worked. It was a lot to think about in how we communicated. And when you're in the business of gathering people like like we kind of are all together, you know, it's about putting people together. It's about creating experiences and that sort of thing. These things had to kind of be looked at differently because we couldn't gather people, you know. And then you also had to say, well, Dag, what what is my big plan? Because that made 2020 really made me think about, too, like what I wanted to be doing in two years, because it could all be it could all change, you know, Um. So as far as contacting me, the best way at this moment is is um, through LinkedIn uh, and through my website, craftbrandtheory.com or my Instagram, craftbrandtheory. I do have a personal Instagram, Crane Latif, but this is just currently deactivated because I'm just totally, I'm revising it, I'm changing everything because everything is like strictly alcohol beverage just for the past yeah. 20 years and I want a clean slate. Right. So I'm just going in another direction and how I change that. That's that has a much larger follower. Like I think I have like 10,000 followers on that, but it's like crap right there only had like 250 followers. I just started just kind of building it up. Right. But, um, but, but yeah, so crap brand theory, um, Instagram, uh, crap brand theory.com, premium or my LinkedIn, um, cream MBA. 
Okay. Um, yeah, that's, those are the best ways. And if you want to shoot me an email, um, just Kareem at craftbrandtheory.com. That is another way. Don't be afraid. Look, don't be afraid. All, all the brothers saying is this. Don't be afraid to start the conversation. Like that's, if the internet has taught yeah. me nothing else, like the oh, in, I used to be a big, like, you know, if I didn't see it, and I couldn't shake hands. That's what that's what the next generation of creators have definitely taught me. Don't be afraid of this internet, bro. Reach out, reach out, like hit somebody and see how you doing. You know. And the worst yeah, thing can happen I'm very is approachable. I'm very right. approachable. Like just, just I mean, just like shoot me an email, whatever. I get back. I was I'm one of those people that respond to everybody. You know, so it's like that mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. But I actually literally, I might have 200 comments in my every post, and I respond to every post. So wow. like I respond to everybody. So definitely, um, you know, reach out. And just know that my name is spelled with an I, not two E's. I, I miss a lot of people like that. They just like Kareem, two E's. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see any of that, obviously. But yeah, just just know how to spell my name correctly. Hey, man. I, once again, I, I, I appreciate you for stopping here and taking the time with uh, me and Brittany. And I, Brittany, did you learn something today? I hope so. I learned a lot I try today. to. I try to. I look, I try to. from you. <sighs> <laughs> look, this this no, is what I did. Y'all. I wouldn't this I wouldn't trade her. I wouldn't trade her for the world, man. But but I do. But again, like if you've got time or, or something you, you ever want to just come by and, and we talk about something or what's going on in the world. Like I said, yeah. I'm very interested. Like I said, constantly of learning and in these worlds that intertwine. You know what I'm saying? Like being in the club all the time. Like I don't even. It's funny. Like I was telling people, like I don't even know drinks as much as people think that I actually should be in yeah. a DJ in a club, right? But I know the cool liquors because I see what's on a video all the time. And you know, for mm-hmm. a while it was like to me everything had to be made with Ciroc because that's where everything was or it was yeah. like you know it was whatever champagne or whatever they had you know in all the videos for a while you know but then mm-hmm. you learn how these things get to get there and that's when I start thinking about this next set of creators or the next set of people behind us right if they knew about those jobs and they could be like yeah I wasn't a rapper but I got the whole set set up and I had the products placed and that was all on yeah. me right. and that's yeah. a job they you know? know about that right they definitely know about that it's, that's it's so much opportunity there behind the scenes Man, once again, my man Kareem Latif, thank you for hanging out with us here at the DJ Aiken Podcast. Uh, Brittany, where can they find you, as always, on social media? And again, Brittany, I, I am with you from here on out. I think we should make it clear. I am also now standing up against twerk shaming. <laughs> See, I am well, listen, you. I will keep standing against that, twerking against it. Um, catch me on IG at Brunch with Brittany, uh, Brunch with Brit at, on Twitter. My cash app is Brittany what Gonzalez. The, what the, Brittany, <laughs> that is not this kind of show. Are you even, in, a, are you even in the States? Because I saw something earlier. Are you still in Jamaica somewhere drinking champagne or are you back <laughs> in the States? Because I saw a post this morning. I don't know where you are. Anyway. I was in Jamaica, but anyway. I'm, I'm back in the States. Once again, man, I appreciate you, man. For everybody rocking with us here at the DJ Aiken Podcast, man, uh, thank you once again. And as always, um, Brittany, I got this part right. If you are watching us on YouTube, please hit the like, subscribe button, and all that good stuff. Download at, yeah, share. Down, yeah, all that stuff that Brittany screams every weekend that I get wrong, man. <laughs> For my entire family, man, I am DJ Eakin. Thank you once again. And Kareem, like I said, I will be in touch, man. And, yo, much love, much respect to what you're doing, man. And I appreciate you for coming constantly moving the needle on the culture man thank you you. yes thank you